Today we're talking about how there tends to be a disconnect in our lives between what's on our heart and between what we do. Now this is, a, this is such a common sort of pl- uh, theme and reality in our lives that it's become a, a common plot device in romantic comedies where you've got sort of this, this bumbling male who is in love with some female, and, uh, but he's extremely inept at putting that love, putting those feelings into practical relation to her, right? So uh, the most famous example of this in our household is the movie Hitch, where there's actually somebody who has to be hired to help people, help guys communicate their affection for the lady in practical terms instead of constantly screwing up and making a mess of things. And it's funny because it tends to be true, right? We tend to, this is, this is, the, this is the natural state of our lives, that there's a disconnect between what we love. We love these people. I love these people. Why do I have such a hard time expressing that practically in ways that they get? Have you ever encountered that problem? I, I trust these people. I trust them. Why do they feel like I distrust them? Why do they feel like I don't like them? Why is that the reality of our lives? That we have this, this great, powerful, painful disconnect. We, we are here this morning because we love and we, we trust the Lord. We love the Lord. And yet, I think all of us would say there is a substantial disconnect between my love for the Lord, my tr- what, I, what I, I do trust the Lord, but then how I go about living my life. And so we want to talk about what does loving and trusting the Lord mean in practice. And so there's two, there's a lot of things we could talk about in answer to that question, but I want to share two things that are very practical, that have become very practical for me personally that the Lord convicted of me over the course of my sabbatical and conversation with the coach that I had. And con- I continue to struggle with these things, but they have been not just substantial convictions, but they have been things that have really brought benefit into my, my life and my walk with the Lord. So I want to share these things with you. And we see them both in 1 Kings 19. So 1 Kings 19 has just been such a powerful chapter for me. Um, so let's, let's go and look at that now. So what does it mean in practice to trust the Lord? Here's a couple things. The first thing that we're going to see is to slow down. And the second thing is going to be to ask others for help. So the first thing is to slow down. So look with me here in 1 Kings 19, verses 7 and 8. The angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched Elijah and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God, And there he came to a cave and lodged in it. So, again, I just think that what God is doing here in Elijah's life is so interesting and and instructive for us. Again, the angel doesn't just come and say, hey, like, well, why even send an angel? God doesn't just come and say, like, hey, why are you, what's the matter with you, right? He goes through this sort of elaborate mechanism The angel comes and feeds Elijah, gives him something to drink, and then sends him on a 40-day hike. That's a month plus, right? That's a six-week-long hike, the point of which. And then he gets to the cave, and it says he lodges. What does that mean? It means he unpacks his stuff. He finds, like, little spots to hang his pots and pans and a nice dry spot to lay out his bedroll. Like, he kind of makes, so however long that is, 
and then God shows up and does his stuff. Why is there this big, this big sort of solitary gap in Elijah's story? When the angel's like, take a really long hike and then cool it for a bit. And I think that the point of that is, is pretty clear when we compare verse 4 with verse 10. So look at verse 4. This is Elijah under the broom tree in the wilderness. He had just been threatened by Jezebel. And he says, he, he asks that he might die, saying, It's enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I'm no better than my father's. We would call that a very emotional response to a situation. And now we come to verse 10. This is after that hike, after he sets up his lodgings. In answer to the question, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah says, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. So why, why does God send Elijah on this journey? Why does he give him this time? It's because Elijah needed time to move from an emotional response to an honest complaint. He needed a month and a half, say, for him to know himself. Elijah needed this time to know himself. The Lord is very clear about what he wants from us. Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God. Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy. So God's people from cover to cover have known that what God wants from us is our hearts. He wants our love. What's in your heart? What's in your heart? I think most of us would say, I don't know. I don't know. Do you want to know? God wants to know. God wants to know. He wants our hearts. What can that mean? If not, we know what's on our hearts. It's like when, you know, as a pastor, I ask people like really weird questions and and they they go like this. Uh, You know, like, what idols are at work in your life? What, what is God doing? What is the Spirit of God leading you into? <clears throat> what is the devil doing in your life? <laughs> we don't want to know. We don't think about these questions. We don't, but, but God wants us to. And so we see Elijah, and, and, and this is essential for following the Lord in faith, is slowing down so you can pay attention. So you can reflect on your actual condition. You know, hearts are complicated things. We see in 1 Kings 18, Elijah stand before the congregation of Israel and say, if the Lord is God, serve Him. How long will you go jumping back and forth from two opinions? And then at the beginning of chapter 19, I just kill me now. And then later in chapter 19, he says, God, I just, I don't understand what you're doing. The heart is a complicated thing. How does he, he takes that journey in the course of a month and a half. You know, when I slow down and I, I, I ask, honestly, I give myself time to reflect on how am I feeling? What, what, are, what is in my mind? What are my thoughts? And why am I feeling and thinking about these things? 
my relationship with God gets a lot more interesting. It's like, a, <laughs> this is another thing I've observed, sort of the three layers of how are you doing. And so, hey, welcome to church. How are you doing? Fine. Good. Yeah. All right. That's not an answer. And then, you know, you get a little, how are you doing? Oh, man, we're just busy. Just so busy. I'm really tired. Just, you know, just, just normal stresses. Yeah. And then, how are you doing? I'm so alone. I'm so sad. This thing still haunts me. I have no idea how I'm going to deal with this thing coming in my life. Have you experienced this, these layers? So, to slow down, to pay attention, to reflect. But I want to be clear, because there's a lot of like, a, you know, knowing yourself, kind of wellness stuff. That's not really our goal. That's on the way to the goal, which is, the goal is having a real relationship with the Lord. That's the goal. The goal is having a real relationship with the Lord, rather than a, a veneer of a relationship. A solid rather than a very thin relationship with the Lord. And what is important is not just knowing ourselves, but knowing ourselves before the Lord. Which I think that might actually be what it means to love the Lord with all your heart. Is to, to know yourself, but in conversation, in that moment with the Lord. This is what I actually feel, O oh Lord. Keep a finger here in 1 Kings 19, and now turn with me to Psalm 139. Look at Psalm 139 with me for just a minute. <clears throat> I love Psalm 139, kind of because of the moment in Psalm 139 that we're going to look at. Psalm 139 is a beautiful psalm, but it's got one of the craziest moments in all of the Psalter. As we go from verse 17, you can kind of get a feel for verses 1 to 16 in verse 17. Uh, are you there? Psalm 139, 17. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they're more than the sand. I awake, I'm still with you. This is very beautiful and sweet. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, God! O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? Do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. We don't sing that song in church too often, do we? <laughs> uh, that would be our death metal worship band that would be <laughs> taken over for that one. But I love that sequence because it's all of the psalmist, he's reflecting on God's love and his care. And this is, you know, you knew me in my mother's womb. And, and then, it, then it's like, uh, just bubbling up comes this, oh, I'm just so full of hate. And then we hit verse 23. Search me, oh God, and know my heart. This is like uh, the psalmist in real time doing what we're talking about. How you doing? How are you doing? How are you doing? I want to kill them all. Okay, that's maybe not great. God, would you search my heart and know me? Would you try my ways? Would you see if there be a wicked way in me? This is what we're talking about. That's a real relationship. When's the last time you said to God, I hate them well, because you don't hate people. I'm not sure about that. This is, a, this is an important thing. It's important for our relationship with God. 
It's really important that we are honest and known in order to understand the love of God. That we know ourselves to be known. Right? So, you know, for so many of us, we sing these songs about the love of God and we're just like, that's cool because how you doing? I'm fine. If I'm fine, the love of God is nice. But when I get honest, when I get real, and I say, I am so angry, I am so sad, I'm so hurt, then the love of God becomes this extremely precious healing balm. But it's only in that, it's only when we get to the second and third layer of how you doing that the love of God becomes really meaningful for us. It becomes a nice thing that I don't mind going to church to have to hear about to something that I can't wait till I can come to church. I can't wait till I can open my Bible again and receive it afresh. So it's important for our relationship with God. It's important for God's relationship with us. Now, of course, God knows us. He knows everything completely. But he is interested in what we are willing to share with him. That's why the Bible's full of, put your trust in me. What are we willing to share with God? That is the universal measure of trust. Right? I love you, baby. I trust you. I trust you. But I would like to have the remote control. Right? That's, uh, I trust you so much. I just don't. I just am going to hang on to that. <clears throat> what are we hanging on to that God would like us to share with him? So let me just encourage you this morning, encourage you to slow down, to let yourself be yourself before God, or since probably none of us want to do that, force yourself to be yourself before God. To ask, you know, what am I, what am I feeling? What am I thinking? What, what am I fixated on? What is bothering me and troubling me? And why are these things? And tell the Lord, Lord, I'm feeling just nervous. I'm nervous because I'm worried about what those people think of me. God, this is the way I am. Would you help me? Would you help me see myself the way you see me? Or whatever that is. But just tell them what's going on in you. You know, for me, the struggle is so often to have a a real transactional relationship with God. I open up my Bible in the morning. I say, God, give me something. (laughs) I got a flock to feed. I I got midweeks to write. I got stuff to do here. I need some stuff. And God, when I go to prayer, here's the things on my list. Help me not forget them. Help them to get done. Imagine going on a date with your spouse or significant other in uh, having a relationship like that. Coming to the end of the date, shaking hands. This was an excellent meeting. There's no meeting, buddy. This is supposed to be a relationship. This is supposed to be a real connection of hearts. What am I feeling? What am I thinking and why? So this is very significant for the question of, am I willing to trust the Lord? Because for me to have a sincere relationship with the Lord and sincere trust of Him, I need to pay closer attention to my own heart. Otherwise, what is it that I'm trusting Him with? What am I trusting the Lord with? I just found it's very easy to kind of live our life, this kind of life that we're all living with no reflection. We go from one required thing to another and one, re- one problem that we have to react to to another. And then when we do have some moment of downtime, we're just trying to, to sort of quiet the inflamed senses in some numbing way that we can. 
But that's not the way to a relationship with the Lord that he is calling us into. The second thing that it means in practice to trust the Lord, one of the many things, this is the second thing that was really impactful for me, was that we need to ask others for help. So let me explain this a little bit. We're trusting the Lord by asking others for help. For some of us, that, that might be an obvious connection, but I want to explain this a little bit. And we see this in 1 Kings 19. Look with me here at verse 15. So in answer to Elijah's complaint, God says to him in verse 15, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and I want you to connect with Hazael, and I want you to connect with Jehu, and I want you to connect with Elisha. I want you to get help and get friends and get community next as the answer to your complaint. You don't have to do this all alone. God's saying to Elijah, you are not alone. You need help, and I, the God, will give you my help through these people. I will give you my help in their help. You know, we talked uh, last week or the week before about how God is always already at work. He's always already at work. When you realize you've got a problem, God's already been there at work in that situation. Which means that, one of the things that that means is that God has put us within communities of people who have the help He wants to give us. God has put us in communities that will have what we need. To make ourselves known to God is going to involve entrusting ourselves to His people. His people are His to help us. God's people are His people to help us. Caveat, asterisk here, footnote, of course not... Uh, because of sin, not everybody is trustworthy. Not everything is, is, uh, should be shared with every person. But let me say this. Everything is appropriate to share with someone. You know, I'm, I'm going Mr. Rogers on this a little bit. If it's mentionable, it's manageable. And everything is mentionable. There are trustworthy people. And you can get to know them. And the Lord will lead you to them. And take advantage of them. Let me, uh, let me give you the, the rest of the story on 1 Kings 19 because this is a sticking point for me and this is a sticking point for Elijah. So if this is a sticking point for you, this sort of connection between uh, trusting God and entrusting ourselves to others, you're in good company. Because Elijah goes on and uh, he anoints Elisha. Elijah goes on and he anoints Elisha. He never meets Hazael or Jehu. He does not anoint them. As we talked last week, Hazael's not even like Jewish-ish. And Jehu is probably one of the guys who's been hunting Elijah. I just find that wonderful. Because even Elijah's like, listen God, I trust you a bunch. But I don't want to trust these people. That is just a step too far. Just the same way that loving God and loving people is such a challenge, right? You've experienced this. We've all known people, too, who come, come into our lives and they're like, I just love God so much. I just have so much faith and trust in God. But I don't, but I can't stand His people. I'm unwilling to interact with them in a loving way. And I absolutely cannot trust God enough to entrust myself to this community. 
one of my friends was were texting and he said last week, he said, everyone wants to see souls saved, but no one wants relationships. There's just a, there is a, there's a, a shift and a step that is hard when we go from God to people. It's like a step of, what's the word? It's like a step of, it's a step of faith, isn't it? Which is what it is. Being willing to open our lives to others is the basis of friendship, fellowship, community. Now, I want to point out something here that was this. So now we're getting to things that are pretty pokey in my heart. Uh, when we talk about building community, we talk about building fellowship, we tend to say, so look for opportunities to serve people and bless them, which is good. That's good. That, it takes faith, right, to show up and serve people. It takes faith to show up and, and, and seek to bless people. However, sometimes community and fellowship can be inhibited by an exclusive emphasis on service. Serving people and being the, the blesser of people can become suspiciously aligned with a desire to appear to be in control, to appear to be the one who's strong and wise, to be a little maybe self-satisfied. I'm the one who does for others. I don't need anything. I, I give advice, but I don't ask people for advice. I just figure it out. I, I'm always willing to pray for you, but I never share anything that's going on in my life that needs prayer because I don't have those needs that you people do. This is very personal when my sabbatical coach pointed out. I don't ask for things because I don't, I don't need help. I'm the help giver. I give help. I don't need help. That's who I am. That's what I do. And if that's not what I do or who I am, What am I? What good am I? So, a way to build community and fellowship, a way to express our faith in the Lord, our trust in Him, is to ask other people for help. And this is hard because I'm making my weaknesses known, I'm making my foolishness or my mistakes known i'm making my inabilities or my fears known my pain i'm not supposed to have any of those things you're not supposed to have any of those things how are you doing this morning good i have no weakness fear pain mistakes regrets folly we don't want to make these things known to each other do do i as a pastor as a minister of god's word do i need advice do i do I need assistance with things? Do I need prayer? Of course I do. But who knows what it is? Who knows your requests? Who knows what you need assistance with? To what extent am I entrusting trusting God with my heart if I rarely trust His people with my needs? I know this is a complicated thing because we've all been hurt 
Some people overshare, some people undershare. It's complicated. But this is a part of God's will for us. They are here to help us. They are here from God to help us. And the relevance of this for the life of faith is pretty clear. Trusting the Lord is going to mean asking His people for help because God has distributed His help through them. Friends, faith has to do with our hearts. And this is such good news. God wants you. He wants us. He wants me. He wants you. He's not just looking for people. He's not the American military. I just need bodies for my mission. He is interested in you. He is interested in me. He's interested in our heart. And so the question this morning is, will we let ourselves be known to the Lord Will we let ourselves be known to others? These are very practical questions of faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the example of Elijah in all of his successes in chapter 18 and for all of his struggles in chapter 19 and the extraordinary way that you, you work with him. And you give him the time that he needs and, and encourage him to reflect on his heart. And then you meet with him and you, you bring him back to yourself and you entrust him to, to people who can help him. Lord, you want to do the same thing with us. Wherever we are in our spiritual journey today, wherever we are in our relationship with you and our, our, the walk of faith in our lives, I know that every single one of us can grow. And we can heal. And we can move closer to you. And we can be drawn by your spirit closer to your heart. But for that to happen, Lord, we've got to be somewhat aware of what's going on in our hearts. We've got to be willing to trust you and to trust your people. And so, while there's surely a lot more involved in the life of faith and and the practice of the life of faith, uh, these are some things, Lord, that I think we could all benefit from considering more closely and putting into use. And so, Spirit, I pray that you would work. I pray that you would help us to become more vulnerable with you, be more open in our hearts with you, and that eventually that, that trust and that, the strength of that relationship will spill out into our connectedness with each other. I pray that you would continue to build this church, Lord, and to, to strengthen us, That you do all this in Jesus' name. Amen.